Who am I? Why am I here? Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. I shall not seek and I will not accept the nomination of my party for another term as your president. Tear down this wall. And the wall just got 10 feet taller. We're going to California and Texas and New York. We're going to South Dakota and Oregon and Washington and Michigan. And then we're going to Washington, D.C. to take back the White House. Welcome to Election Shock Therapy, a.k.a. Finals Edition. <laughs> Joining me in my office today is Sam Mulberry, Andy Bramson, and Mitchell Crum. And inexplicably, Sam doesn't have a meeting. We're I so don't. excited. No, I'm going to be here. <laughs> this is the last day of class for the 2016 2017 school year, gentlemen. How are you feeling? Oh, pretty good. Yeah, looking forward to being, uh, being out and having uh, summer in front of me here. Yeah. Yep. A little bit of a sore throat, so it's time to be done. There you go. <laughs> I would say the day ain't over yet. So. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Talk to me at the end of the day. Let me, ask, let me ask you this, Sam. Would you rather wash all the dishes in the D.C. by hand or grade all of your colleagues' uh, papers from their students. Definitely the dishes. Yeah. Definitely the dishes. Yeah, that's not a hard call. I, might, I thought you were just going to say my own grading. I know, that's what I thought too. <laughs> You'd rather do the dishes than your own grading? I would Definitely, I would. Because I could listen to a podcast like this one while I was doing the dishes. <laughs> I can't true. do that when I grade. I'm also an experienced um, dishwasher because I worked at summer camp for six years and I did this as a freshman job. So uh, I feel like I could manage it. I mean, I'm sure the technology's bumped up and since I did it, but... I also briefly made the big leagues when it came to, it comes to dishwashing. I, I worked for a summer in a truck stop washing dishes. That's oh, wow. big league. I believe you discussed that on an earlier podcast. Uh, the worst jobs yeah. ever, right? Yep, so that's right. You should check that out. <laughs> <laughs> it's cross pollinating our listenership. There you so. go. Thanks, thanks. Little, oh, little, little nice, nice. Uh, yes, yeah, so this this podcast is part of the um, live, family, uh, the fa- a family of uh, of podcasts, <laughs> the AC Second uh, podcast, which we will be discussing more. next week at West by Midwest. I'm just, you know more cross promotion. Sam, what's West by Midwest? Uh, West by Midwest is a, uh, a thing. series of presentations. Um, this will be the fifth year that we've done this on finals week. Um, it's a two it's a hour on South by Southwest. Right, right. And it come, the, the name comes from the first year we did this. It was all about Christianity, Western culture, which is the, we were getting ready for the, um, the online version of the course in 2013. Um, and it's the idea that we're in the Midwest and mm-hmm. we teach about the West. So West by Midwest there is sort, sort of where the uh, – so the name actually has meaning. It's not just a playoff of South by South. I never knew that. Yeah. I didn't know that either. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but since then, it's, since then, it's <laughs> expanded far beyond that. So I think we have 10 or 11 people presenting. Richard Branson's coming this year. That's um, right. Coachella's going to be here now. That's right. Um, <laughs> it's, and it's just a series of kind of micro-presentations on teaching innovation and mm-hmm. ideas and um, – yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. So, and we have a whole bunch of people who've never presented at West by before presenting awesome. this year. Yeah, so the mm-hmm. the uh, sort of circle of people involved is expanding. So you should come. It's in the Bethel Maker Space at uh, one thirty to three thirty. Mm. Come when you can. Stay as long as you can. Um, bring a friend. We have yep. plenty of space. So sweet. <laughs> Just some random guy on the street. Just That's right. Yeah. <laughs> well, a random guy on the street wouldn't be a friend probably, unless you make friends very quickly. Next, you're an like extrovert. You could do that. Yeah. Uh, that's more. That's more a Chris Moore trick. I mean, I'm that's not. True. I'm not really extroverted. I have befriended that. some brick walls. So. That's true. Yes. Yes. Um. yes. <laughs> <laughs> How many times do we stop on the way to lunch yesterday? <laughs> How many of those did I initiate? <laughs> That's a fair point. <laughs> one of the benefits of being at a small liberal arts college mm. is that, and and one that's in Minnesota, so all of our buildings are interconnected because it gets darn cold here in the wintertime, mm-hmm. is that we can see a good number of our students and colleagues just walking through the hallways. What's that, sir? <laughs> As you can say, only for a little bit here until we that's <laughs> until right. things change. Things are going to oh, change. Well, yes. Uh, the political science and history departments and some of our friends might be on the move um, and relocating to a new location here on campus. But for the meantime, uh, we're part of these, okay. this uh, compound of buildings. And I really <laughs> like this. It is, though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. It's, it's sort of a, Byzantine. Like it's, I feel like we're doing something illegal if you start using the word compound. Like, you know, like, what are we doing here? <laughs> Is that what you think of when you think of the candy compound? I did spend three years in my life in Waco, so oh, the compound makes that's, me that's nervous. Why. That's fair. <laughs> the the best thing about this whole thing, in my opinion, is because they're because we're all kind of interconnected here, is seeing a student later in the day who skipped your class earlier in the day. Uh, yes, yeah. so good. That's true. So super Just walk awkward. Up to like, hey, and just that faux concern, like, hey, how you doing? You feeling okay? Yeah. yeah. Right. Especially yeah. when you see them like right after said class. Exactly. Like, <laughs> 
Yeah. Actually, uh, yeah. Just just the other day, like basically, I had a student who had been who had regularly been skipping for like the last week, <laughs> and I sat down to dinner and I look and you know basically there's these long tables in our dining center, mm-hmm. and so I didn't realize who all was at the table. I looked down the table, he's right there, and I was awesome. like, oh, there you are. Well, that's interesting. I guess we. I guess I guess you feel good enough to be here uh, at mm-hmm. the dining center. I yeah. wonder what's been going on. So you don't, you don't get better if you don't eat, Mitchell. That's, that's right. That's that's so is skipping class an impeachable <laughs> offense? <laughs> that, that's oh, an man. interesting Lovely segue. segue. Um, no, skipping no. class isn't an impeachable offense. Uh, the the media is all a Twitter, and Twitter is all a media with impeachment. Did you did you prep that line, or did you just no, come up with that? No, okay. I didn't. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Did you vet that That's line? Good. <laughs> that, is, that is a good line, though. I like it. Uh, We're not vetting lines much these days. There's a new precedent in this yeah, country. Just, so. just, just uh, um, aim, shoot, ready, aim, or shoot, ready, ready aim. And yeah, then deny. Something like that. And then deny. And yeah. then admit and say it was on purpose. That's right. Yeah. And then say it was a joke. And then say it was a joke. And then tweet and then tell, it. And then afterwards tell people to be quiet and don't tell anybody this joke. That's right. It's a super <laughs> secret joke. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. We gotta rewind. What are we talking about here? What's happened in the last week and a half in the uh, the days of our lives, aka Trump edition? <laughs> Mitchell, uh, where to start? Well, let's, yeah, right. let's, let's start with the conversation with the Russians in the Oval Office. Yeah. Okay. okay. So yeah, that's yeah, good. yeah. That's that's a good place to start. So there were a couple of weeks ago, um, basically, uh, Trump was scheduled to have a meeting with the uh, ambassador from from Russia. Yes, and this was um, this was well known. This there was nothing particularly um, notable about this, except uh, do, do ambassadors come to the Oval Office? Usually, yeah. This Often. is not yeah, yeah. that's yeah. not unusual. Yeah, yeah. They so don't always come there. Sometimes they right. meet, but meeting with the president to yeah. concur in the Oval Office, especially right. for a high level ambassador right. like the Russian ambassador. Yeah, there's nothing. There, in other words, there was nothing remarkable about this um, going into it. Right. Right. Uh, at least at least a d- 24 hours before. <laughs> so. Uh, so at any rate, uh, so so at any rate, so so uh, there was there was somebody coming. Uh, yeah, so there's the Russian ambassadors coming, and essentially, uh, what what then happened uh, immediately the morning thereof was Trump released that he was firing uh, uh, Comey, which was the mm. FBI director. And as soon as that happened, uh, basically there were imme- there were immediate questions about why Trump had chosen to fire uh, Comey. And once once all these questions started to get circulated, um, the media immediately started to realize that Comey was in, was was the person who was in charge, essentially of uh, the invest, investigating the Trump campaign for their involvement with Russia. Right. right. So uh, so the question was why why did Trump fire Comey? Why did he choose that exact moment? That immediately sort of became right. the question. As a result of this, Trump said that he wasn't going to, and because the media was sort of breathing down his throat on this, Trump said he wasn't going to allow American media into the meeting, but he right. still allowed Russian media into the meeting. <laughs> Um, so this resulted in basically Russia, Russian media obviously releasing pictures and accounts of this, but there were no American media sources uh, present there. <clears throat> the other thing then to think about, and this is, I'm sure you guys will want to jump in on some of the details of this, but mm-hmm. immediately Trump's uh, response to this, right, when asked why he had chosen to fire Comey, was that this was on the recommendation of the Justice Department, and particularly Rod Rosenstein, who's... Um, but also Jeff Sessions, who and also Jeff Sessions. had recused himself from the Russian investigation. Yes, yes. Right. So essentially the... the uh, the uh, the yeah so 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 basically he had said he had said it was on their recommendation that he had re- uh, received recommendations for them for firing Comey and essentially because Comey had acted unprofessionally during the campaign uh, in prolonging the Hillary Clinton um, statements and so basically mm-hmm. the the stated reason for this mm-hmm. initially was that because um, Comey had acted unprofessionally uh, with regards to Hillary Clinton he needed to be fired right um, now and of course it's makes total sense that someone of the Republican Party would feel just aggrieved that someone from the Republican Party was mistreated horribly by the FBI director and seek to dismiss him for that reason. was, Was that just like, that was just like a trial balloon to see like if that would fly? Or I, don't, I can't imagine who that flies with. That's just disingenuous. Yeah. Yeah. Well, why well especially it? when he's on, That's especially when he's on le- record. I mean, uh, at the time, right back in October, of, as having praised Comey for when his political courage for doing lock this. Her up, yeah. The yeah. um, defending the, the firing because it's because she was ill treated is is terrible. Well, that, okay, and this is this yeah. is where let's just pretend for a moment that that these are all people who know what they're doing. And, I mean, I, <laughs> and I realize that might be a leap, but what would the reason be why you would put that statement out there? Because it doesn't it, it makes no sense. So what would be the reason? I, I, I think what has emerged to some degree, and this may explain some of it, I think Chris may want to talk a little bit more about this, is that I think Trump 
uh, wrongly suspected that firing Comey would be an uncontroversial move. Um, I think he actually thought right. that firing Comey would be something that would be welcomed by both Democrats and Republicans and would be uncontroversial and therefore passed over. And so immediately when he's asked about it, he thought, well, he would give it an explanation that would appeal to Democrats mm-hmm. um, and to you know the people in the media. Mm-hmm. Well, Hillary was mistreated. Therefore, we're getting rid of Comey. This is what people had been saying anyway. See, Trump was not wrong in saying that you know mm-hmm. there had been mm-hmm. quite a few calls right. among Democrats and among media figures as well that Comey deserved to be fired. And so mm-hmm. Trump simply mm-hmm. was parroting that sort of explanation. I also think, I mean, I actually think he could have been right about that if he had done this on January 20th, right? If he comes into office and says, um, this was mishandled, you know, upon further reflection, um, you know, that this should not have been politicized the way it was, and I'm going to clean house at the FBI. This is part of draining the swamp. I'm firing Jim Comey. Um, But the problem is the timing, right? I mean, like, you just, like, it would be one thing if you do this on January 20th when you're stepping into the office and you're saying we're cleaning house. It's another thing when you do it when the Russia thing is sort of brewing, and now it feels like it's a you know a move to protect yourself. Um, so yeah, yep, yeah. And, and that's and that's essentially what has been emerging. Then, like as as we've watched this, what's emerged is that in fact, um, you know, Trump was under investigation, at least, or at least the Trump campaign for collusion with right. uh, the Russians. And of course, there's already some evidence of this because of uh, Michael Flynn, who mm-hmm. we know uh, did actually receive. Um, you know, some some payment from from Russian sources, and then not only that, but Trump's own letter uh, in firing Comey referenced the fact that he was upset about the uh, the, the the ongoing idea that there was an investigation into uh, right. his, mm-hmm. and, re- and revealed Russia. several irregularities with the normal uh, judicial process related to the yes. FBI. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trump, in his letter, says, "As you have previously told me, three on three separate occasions, I am not under investigation. Right. It would be highly irregular of the FBI if not." I'm not saying Trump lied. We don't know that. But it's incredibly irregular of the the FBI to even tell someone that they are not under investigation. That's not what the FBI does. So Mm -hmm. this is an an odd set of events in the first place. And I think you're Mm -hmm. right, Mitch. Mm -hmm. I think that this is something Trump thought would be sort of uncontroversial, which on the one hand isn't surprising coming from Trump. Um, To back to Sam's kind of idea of, you know, assuming everyone knows what they're doing. Trump, uh, I think, has some very astute uh, media uh, practices. I think he's very savvy when it comes to marketing himself. Mm-hmm. He's clearly was unprepared for the job of president. He himself has admitted that the job was much harder and more complicated than he expected it to be. Right. But it's a little bit weird that his advisors around him didn't anticipate the reaction to the firing of Comey. Either they didn't know or they were, or they were simply overmatched by Trump's will in doing this. Mm-hmm. Or they were—they really missed the ball on how this reaction would play out. I'm not—I mean, I'm not convinced he's listening to his advisors all yeah. that much. So, I, I would, so they knew they recommended against it, and he, he didn't care. Or they didn't know, or he just did it. And I mean, and because he didn't care, I mean, like he was going to do this anyway. So why bother to talk to them? I mean, I'm, not, I'm just not. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I would be very surprised if, when we read the narrative of this later, that the advisors were deeply involved in this process and that they had sort of power to sway the president. I mean, I'm pretty sure this was a Trump call um, from beginning to end, whether he told them or not. Um, you know, I, I just, I would be very surprised if this was something they really got a chance to sign off on or even have a real say in. So right. how do we, and I realize this is something that will, that, that uh, we won't know soon. We won't know, you know, for years maybe, but I mean, when you said like, like when, when we finally kind of know what happened, like how does that happen in presidencies that you, Get those inside views. Oh, well, we're going to get we memoirs go. written. We'll get uh, lots of memoirs. There are now six different investigations into the relationship between uh, the Trump campaign and the Russian government, yeah. uh, conducted by various parts of Congress. The Senate Intelligence Committee is holding hearings. Uh, the House Intelligence Committee is holding hearings. Um, the Senate Foreign Relations Committee has an investigation. <laughs> and most significantly, uh, the FBI has appointed former FBI director and guy not to be messed with, Robert <laughs> Mueller, <laughs> yes. uh, to be – I'll get my language here really correctly. He is not a special prosecutor. He is an independent investigator, correct? Sure. A, I, I really he's he's not Ken Starr. Yeah. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, during the Whitewater investigation, which ultimately led to the Monica Lewinsky affair mm-hmm. and the Bill Clinton administration, <laughs> Ken Starr was appointed to sort of broadly and independently investigate uh, any legal wrongdoings in the Clinton case and to bring charges and had kind of a blank check to, to, to uh, for resources. Terms. Lots of stuff. Mueller isn't quite as empowered, but he is not. He is independent. The, the yeah. key difference here is Trump could still fire Mueller. 
uh, Bill Clinton could not get rid of Ken Starr, no matter what he tried. Mm-hmm. So what what powers does someone like Mueller have? Um, Mueller can subpoena uh, okay. documents mm-hmm. from the White House and demand them. He can report to Congress if those documents are not being delivered, which would be a violation of law, would be, obstru- would be obstruction of justice, or potentially contempt of Congress. Ultimately, when Bill Clinton was impeached, he was impeached on the charge of contempt of Congress because he lied under oath. Um, mm-hmm. So it's possible for those things to happen. Uh, Mueller can move independently of the FBI. He doesn't need approval to pursue lines of inquiry. Uh, the subpoena thing is what I wondered about because yeah. cause it's one thing to investigate. It's another thing mm-hmm. to have the power to, like, do more than just ask yes. for documents but to have, yeah. have, have yeah, teeth He has the power that. to compel the White House to turn over okay. documentation. The question yeah. – one question I have, and I'm not, I'm not sure the answer to this, so maybe you guys know um, – to what degree can the White House say that's covered by national security and re- not turn him over? Like, a great deal, actually, okay. and then it becomes a fight between the branches of Congress. That's what I'm, I mean. Like that—that's the problem, right? Is like, mm-hmm. is he has this power, but then, you know, especially I mean, on this issue, right? Where we're talking about relations with a foreign power, a, a foreign power that we've had a great deal of trouble with historically. Um, you know, there there could be a lot of these documents where the Trump administration plays the national security cards and sorry we can't do that that would violate national security this is um, so it'll be very interesting to see how that plays out and how well he actually can, can get a hold of and to documents. be critical of both sides this is how the obama administration handled the benghazi affair oh yeah it's exactly. by saying they exactly. allowed the documentation that the now, yep. now, there was not yep. a special investigator inside right. the benghazi affair but they they refused to turn over some documents to congress saying mm-hmm. that they were mm-hmm. matters of, of national security right so you know we've yeah we've seen this script before right so it'll be It'll be interesting what Mueller can actually get his hands on. But, but we don't have to worry about national security if the president is telling Russia what the, our national security issues are in the overall law of this. That does make his argument that you can't see it for national security reasons less compelling. So, for sure. so who does Mueller answer to? Um, ultimately, the president. Okay. So he still is under the presidential chain of command. Um, he is uh, he is serving at the pleasure of the director of the FBI. Is it although the de- deputy AG appointed him right? Yeah, I think Rosenstein. Yeah, Rosenstein. Actually. Rosenstein. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. not the FBI director, yeah. the yeah. Uh, deputy AG. Yeah. And the deputy because Sessions is recusing himself. Correct. Yeah. Right. Correct. So, so to what degree does someone like Mueller also answer to the American people? Like, like to what? So he has this investigation. What ability does he have to be public about that investigation? Here's, here's where I can move away from being a lawyer, be more of a political scientist. Uh-huh. Mueller is, has long been in the public light. Um, he was uh, Comey's predecessor in the role of FBI director. He famously clashed with – he served under George W. Bush and Bill Clinton administrations. Or Cla- Obama and Bush, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. sorry. I, went the, I went the wrong way. It was free yeah. before that, right? Um, um, yeah. yeah. He, so he started a week before 9-11, just to give our um, right. listeners context. So, and he served up till 2013 when Comey came in. So, so 2001 to 2013. Okay, there we go. Thank you. Um, and he's a known public figure. He has pretty enormous professional reputation. I think because of the role he plays, he is somewhat responsive to the media and somewhat responsive to the American people. Mm-hmm. He's not an elected official, mm-hmm. but he, in some ways, is, is char- has a special charge in the public interest. That said, uh, Mueller is a Washington insider. Mm-hmm. And it would surprise me if his investigation was characterized by extensive leaks. And... Mm-hmm complete transparency until he thinks he has something to go to the public with, which would probably be something prosecutorial. Okay. Yeah. Or exculpatory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, he does, yeah. I have to say, on the face of it, he seems like a really good choice for this, right? I mean, like, I, yeah, I, I, I like anyone complaining. Choice. Democrats and Republicans right. both right. applauded this right. pick. Right. right. Even, I mean, the, the worst you're getting is people saying, you know, Democrats saying, like, this isn't enough. I mean, like, this is good, yeah. but you need to go farther, which, you know, sure. But, but I think, I mean, like, he's been, he's widely respected. Um, he's not connected to to Trump, but neither is he someone who's hostile to Republicans. So, right. um, he served under both presidents of both parties, I and mean, he he does seem like a kind of great pick. For so this. he was named yeah. under George W. Bush. Mm-hmm. He was appointed. Yeah, I Bush. think Andy's right. A okay. week before nine yeah, eleven, okay. he served all the way through uh, the first half of the Obama administration. Okay. Yep, yep. And and I I don't remember, remember any significant conflicts between him and Obama. I think mm-hmm. he was just ready to be done. Yeah, twelve years. I mean, it's FBI director's a long time. So. <laughs> Um, okay. not, not J. Edgar Hoover long, but still. Was, <laughs> no true. one's going to try to match that, I think. That's true. Um, J. Edgar Hoover is the sole reason why the average tenure of an FBI director is exceedingly long. Yeah, 48 years. Yep. Well, so that's one of the things that happened this last week. Yeah, that's week. one thing. Uh, the other big thing is, is connected to this, which is Jim 
the news is now broken that Jim Comey, the former FBI director, mm-hmm. has kept memos of all of his interactions with the president. And these memos <laughs> exist in form somewhere that are potentially subpoenable. So when <laughs> Comey is about to, tomorrow, is it tomorrow? Is, is very soon will be appearing same, yeah. before uh, Congress to testify. Mm-hmm. Now, to, to get some, some clarification, when you say memos, um, are these memos that he wrote and sent to someone? I mean, so, so is there like... Um, is there clarity that these were written at the times they were written? I mean, like, like how do mm-hmm. how do we know that mm-hmm. stuff? My understanding of what he did is something that I do as well uh, when I meet the president. No, <laughs> uh, when I meet with students. <laughs> so I keep a um, when I meet with a student for an advising question. We talk about you know their various existential crises, and what they want to do with their life, and their choice between you know going to law school or becoming a professional juggler, those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll I'll make notes of that and keep that in their in their file. Uh, before, in preparation for the next time I meet with them, that sort of thing. My understanding is that Jim Comey did something similar. These weren't sent to anyone. These weren't proscri- uh, prescribed by law. They weren't. Um, there was nothing mandated about these. But he wanted to keep records of his conversations with the president. Now, admittedly, he could have been writing, "Dear diary, today I wore my salmon-colored tie." Uh, you know, that, I mean, it's, it's, but in all, that in doesn't all feel very Jim Comey. Probably keeping a record of his interactions, of what he talked mm-hmm. about with the president, what decisions were made, what you know, what information was conveyed, because this is fairly typical of FBI investigations. And furthermore, these kinds of memos to self uh, have in the past been admissible in the court of law mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. in criminal investigations. Are yeah. these, and, and I'm asking questions I would like to ask to Jim Comey, but he's not here, so I'll ask you. I am approximately a foot and a half shorter than Jim Comey, okay. but I'll give him I'll give my best um, shot. Are is he that tall? He's 6'8". I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a foot and a half he's shorter. He's 6'8"? He's a foot wow. taller than me. I don't know. Um, stretch four. Uh, or yeah, he can yeah. crash the boards for yeah. sure. Um, nice. Are these? Are the? Do you know? Are these memos electronic or are they like handwritten? And there, here's the reason I ask. Yeah, that. I wonder why you're asking. This. Because um, <laughs> I'm inclined to think that he probably did this. Kept these, but like if they're handwritten, like you can't actually date when a handwritten thing was written. I mean, you can write a date on it, but I could write yeah. a date saying I wrote something two weeks ago. If they're electronic. You pres- presumably you could do the archaeology, the electronic archaeology, to say, oh, this in fact was written at this time, right? Well, there's, I mean, so I know from the stories I read, like there, his aides were aware of him doing this, right? I mean, so he's not, I mean, like Jim. So Cohen's other not, people have seen, yeah, yes. like and apparently okay. he was okay. very. That, that's what I wanted to know. So it sounds like he was even more conscientious than usual about this. I mean, and f- like, I mean, think about it from Jim Comey's perspective. Like, I'll try to, even though I'm not Jim Comey, I'll try to get in his mind here for a second. I mean, you're, you're, you're aware that you have been. A little controversial, right? I mean, you ended the investigation in the summer. The Republicans were super ticked. You reopened it right before the election. The Democrats were super ticked. Hillary Clinton, who looked like she was going to win, loses. So you may be impacted that. You know that. You're not stupid, right? Um, and then you've got this president coming in who's a very unusual kind of president who said all kinds of really strange things um, as he's running. Um, and you're having private meetings with him. You know there's a pretty decent chance that at some point somebody's going to want to know about these meetings. And, and it sounds like he kind of took that into account. So his, his aides basically said, I mean, like, he was really conscientious about, like, writing things up afterwards, like even sitting in his car and kind of writing things down. Um, so it, it sounds like there's a pretty, even though they may be, hand, whether they're handwritten or typed, right. I'm not sure, but um, you know, it sounds like there's a pretty good idea that there. this okay. happened. Right? I, I bring that up only because of sort of the war on the truth. And, like, yeah. I'm, I want to think <laughs> right. about, like, right. sources. Like, what are, what are what is real evidence mm-hmm. of, of something? Mm-hmm. So that, because yeah. um, it seems like the easiest attack, initial attack, yeah. would be like yeah. well anybody could write i mean not that this is what high priced lawyers would mm-hmm. do but like you could you could right. attack the the legitimacy the of something of if you could yeah. okay yeah you totally could and amongst the things that are coming out of this is that it seems uh to be it is, it is being now alleged in the media that Donald Trump pushed pressured Jim Comey mm-hmm. privately mm-hmm. in the oval office to drop or to fix up the Michael uh, Flynn investigation. Michael Flynn was already being investigated by the FBI for potential leaks right. to foreign governments, which were proven to be generally true. Michael Flynn is now registered as a um, uh, foreign agent, meaning uh, he acts on he's acted in the past on behalf of a foreign government. He lobbied on behalf of Turkey uh, <laughs> prior to becoming a national security advisor. Mm-hmm. When he was national security advisor, he delayed an attack on ISIS because Turkey asked him to. Mm-hmm. Um, this seems like... This seems problematic. Yeah. And Trump told Comey allegedly, this, Flynn's a good guy. Um, Drop it. Can, uh, make, make this go away. Um, can we wrap this up? Um, Comey, by all accounts, didn't – we don't know what the response was, but certainly the Flynn investigation continued. Mm-hmm. And now this is, looks like 
this is another one of those uh, tendrils moving its way into impeachment, which is mm-hmm. obstruction of justice. So, yep. so you talked about Comey testifying coming up here. Is that again? I'm speaking for somebody who doesn't follow things really closely. Mm-hmm. If I wanted to see that testimony, is that something that will be available to the public, or is that something we'll only hear reports of, or things like that? As long as it doesn't impinge upon a national security matter, if this is, I think I can imagine this could come up before um, an inquiry in a um, inquiry before a Senate Intelligence Committee, for example, mm-hmm. and certainly would come up if if if, if, uh, if it would happen, there was an impeachment okay. trial. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's, can we talk just a minute here? We're kind of are circling around a few things, but people keep people bandy about the term impeachment, mm-hmm. and we revi- we visited this back in 1999. Um, but what is it, what is impeachment, and and why, what is how does this process work? So uh, so basically the way impeachment works is essentially if you sort of think about um, a regular trial, there's basically two stages to a major to a major criminal trial. Mm-hmm. There's, sort of, there's a grand jury moment where you basically decide if, the, if there's enough evidence to bring charges against somebody. Um, and then there's also the, and then there's the trial itself where you decide if the mm-hmm. person is guilty and you can convict them mm-hmm. um, if there's enough evidence to convict them. And basically that's how um, the impeachment process works as well. Essentially what you have in the House is sort of the grand jury moment there where mm-hmm. you decide is there enough evidence to actually prosecute um, the president and so basically if that's if 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 impeachment happens it will begin in the house mm-hmm. and there will be a vote on whether they th- simple whether, majority vote simple yes. majority vote yes so simple majority vote in the house which is why this is um relatively unlikely unless there's overwhelming evidence since the majority is republican, republican. Um, and the same in the senate as well um, in terms of conviction um, so, uh, but, any, but at any rate, so you, so impeachment will happen. This is what did happen to Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton was impeached right. in this, in the sense that he was, um, he basically the house voted to say that there was enough evidence to bring charges and actually have, uh, the, the trial, mm-hmm. which then takes place in the Senate. Yep. So, and in the Senate, you have, uh, essentially what, what func- what the Senate functioning as a jury, um, basically, a, uh, deciding whether they should convict the president and thus remove him, um, from office mm-hmm. and inter- and, and yeah. So, and the Senate vote has to be a two-thirds majority. So yeah. that is a, a higher bar, right? And presided over the by the Chief Justice, the and presided over by the Chief Justice yep. of the of the Supreme Court. So, um, so that's a higher bar. I mean, one of the other things to bring up here too, I think, with the impeachment discussion is um, there's been some talk, um, so prominently by Ross Dowtett in the New York Times earlier this week, about whether you know if if Trump has you know really been this bad, and, and you know there's a lot of people saying you know this is just kind of a disaster, right? Now, right? Um, that whether you would think about removing him under the 25th Amendment, which suggests that um, the president can be removed from office for reasons of incapacitation. So this is designed to so say... I have the 25th Amendment pulled up on my computer. Yeah. Can I read Ooh. it? <laughs> yeah, you want to read it first? Go ahead. I won't read the entire 25th Amendment, but I will read the relevant section um, as I'm pulling up. Here we go. This is section four of the 25th Amendment. Whenever the vice president and majority of either the principal officers of the executive departments or of, of such other body as Congress may by law provide, transmit to the president pro tem of the Senate and the Speaker of the House of Representatives their written declaration that the president is unable to discharge the powers and duties of his office, the vice president shall immediately assume the powers and duties of the office as acting president. Mm-hmm. So this, I mean, this basically provides for the president. You know, if the president were physically incapacitated, so for example, this Woodrow was Wilson, after Kennedy, right? What's that? This was passed after Kennedy. This was passed after Kennedy's assassination. But this would deal with like a situation like Woodrow Wilson, who was you know had a stroke, basically couldn't discharge the office anymore. But there was he refused to resign, and so his wife kind of kept you know ferrying essentially what she claimed were his decisions out. Um, and you know, kind of kept the cabinet from meeting with him, but there was no real process to get rid of him. I mean, you didn't want to impeach him; he hadn't committed a crime. It's not a crime mm-hmm. to have a stroke, right? Um, but you know, he, he wasn't able to do his job, right? So this is what it's designed to deal with. Um, Gautet's arguing Trump is, you know, maybe not impeachable, right? He's not sure he's committed crimes, but he's just sort of grotesquely immature and incompetent and therefore should be treated almost like a child who is just sort of outside of his capacity and removed on that basis. I mean, I ultimately think this is kind of the wrong call. Like, I think if you are going to remove the president, it has to be through impeachment. The American people knew that this was a person who was um, immature, that was not particularly well qualified, and they still chose to elect him. So I think if you're going to get rid of him, you have to show there's sufficient cause, and I think that means we have to go down the impeachment route. But I bring this up because it is an option being floated. I just think it would be yeah. seen as sort it, of a it just seems gross strange to say like incompetent and 
and incapable are different things. Yeah, I mean, um, well, or incompetent, or incapacitated, and, and incompetent yeah. are different things. You yes. think that they're not different things? No, or, they are. Oh, they are. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. right. Yeah. No, exactly. I mean, that's the thing, and it's so. You know, the, he's only incapacitated in the sense that he's always been incapacitated, which is that you could raise real questions about whether he's well qualified to be president. We talked about that a lot in the fall, right? But, um, but, but again, people elected him kind of knowing that, right. knowing who Donald Trump was and is, right? Um, and so I think that you know that kind of argument seems really spurious, right? I mean, like you need to you need to go through the the, the sort of you know the process that Mitchell's talked about in Congress to actually remove him. To that would just seem very dangerous, a very yeah. dangerous precedent to yeah, set. It absolutely yeah, would be. Yeah. Yeah. Right. right. If a majority yeah. of Trump's cabinet and the vice president agreed that Trump was ill-capacitated, it is within the Constitution's capacity for them to remove him yeah. and appoint Mike Pence as acting president. Right. However, that would look everything like in international politics what we know as a coup. Yeah, it's a coup. Right? It's basically and a coup. That's that's kind of that's a problem because yeah. he's um, not insane, right? I mean, like whatever his other problems are. I mean, well, you know, I mean, he might have some. Yeah, there might be some issues, but this he's is not, the question he's not, not just crazy. Donald Trump, but for right. the future, uh, at what level do we accord mental illness as incapacitating? Right. And right. Richard Nixon, by all accounts, was was yeah. pretty paranoid. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, Abraham Lincoln and Calvin Coolidge at various points were. Probably clinically depressed. Right. Yeah. Right. At what point do we cross the bar and say this is no longer allow this no longer allows them to fulfill their duties? Yeah. 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 And, and who yeah. gets to make a stroke that call, is pretty clear right? cut. I mean, that's right. the problem. But debilitating depression yeah. isn't nearly as clear cut. Uh-huh. Well, and I would say uh-huh. just because you don't like how somebody fulfills their duties doesn't mean they're not fulfilling their duties. Right. Right. I mean that's yeah. right. That's exactly. the part that seems dangerous. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Exactly. And that's why I think you have to go through the full sort of in, impeachment process. I mean, one of the things I was thinking about as we were getting ready for this today is just, you know, th- th- this has actually been a big point, like in Latin American countries, for example, where they had a long history of coups, right? So especially the military stepping in and removing uh, leaders. And one of the, the big points Latin of America, progress, not just Latin America, but but I bring up the Latin America example in particular because one of the points of progress they made in, when they started democratizing, right, and moving away from that military model is they still had, you know, some really horrible presidents elected and people who were just like tanking and not doing their jobs well. But they say we can't do this sort of extra legal process, this thing that looks really dubious, like it's subverting democracy. We need to remove the president democratically, right? And so you had multiple cases in the 90s in particular of um, you know, Latin American countries impeaching their presidents, right? Going through this process and saying the president is not doing a good job, is breaking the law in various ways, um, and so you remove him through the impeachment process, right? right. Um, and I think it's, and even recently we saw, you know, Brazil do this, right? But I mean, so it's, I think it's really important, right? There's an important distinction between doing that where you have the elected representatives doing this in a way that's sort of, you know, transparent and that it allows them to be held accountable. If you disagree, you can vote Amy Klobuchar or Tom Emmer or whoever else out next time. Um, but, you know, that, that doesn't feel like you're subverting, um, subverting sort of the, the decision of the people. Right. But you're saying, here's why we think we have to do this and, you know, you can vote on that, ultimately. I want to give a quick um, wrap-up of some of the ways that impeachment could possibly happen. Then I want to put the three of you on the spot. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> so what we've talked about today, um, one and, – and by the way, I'm, I'm not suggesting – well, I'm not on a primary discussion. I don't, want to, I, don't want to ca- I don't want to guess yet how likely impeachment actually Good. is. Thank you. <laughs> but you're going to do that because here there's three – I think there's three pathways by which Trump could end up – um, in uh, in that ki- in that kind of situation, option uh, uh, out of office. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Option one is what you just described: the Twenty Fifth Amendment, um, that he would that his cabinet would believe him to be incapacitated. Option two is that what we've been discussing with the Jim Comey issue, the Mike Flynn issue, the ties to Russia, and this um, this ongoing investigation, which could end up in a charge of obstruction of ju- end up in charge of obstruction of justice or contempt of Congress or something mm-hmm. like that. Option three, which we haven't discussed, but which was the hottest topic at the beginning of the Trump administration, was the Emoluments Clause, which is another constitutional clause uh, stipulating that, that uh, the, the president shall not accept foreign titles, and here's the relevant language, or other gifts from mm-hmm. foreign powers. Mm-hmm. If we believe that Trump and his, his diverse business capacities uh, accepted substantial gifts from mm-hmm. foreign governments right. in his role as president, then that potentially is also a violation of the Constitution and also potentially mm-hmm. impeachable. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think I think one other route that that people oh, have yes, been please. discussing as well um, that that um, that I've seen is actually Lawfare had a long um, discussion of this. Is basically Lawfare is awesome, by the way. Yeah, yeah, Lawfare is great. Uh, but anyway, they, they they had a long discussion. Um, this is something we didn't bring up. That's why I'm 
maybe. Please, throw, uh, on the, but, throw it on the Barbie. Yeah, okay, so the other thing to think about is at, at the meeting with the Russian ambassador that we were talking about earlier, uh, it's uh, it's basically being reported in the media that Trump also disclosed a number of right. uh, top secret intelligence things, yes. which also may have exposed. Yeah, we never quite got there. Sorry, I was yeah, in yeah, that direction. Yeah, no, yeah, we didn't quite get there. Uh, which also potentially exposed what, at least according to media reports, could be uh, Israeli spy methods and perhaps even agents, right? Um, Including perhaps our top ISIS informant. Yes. So all of those things may have been exposed to the, to the mm. Russians. These are top secret things, of course, and of course part of. Uh, and, and essentially the argument is that perhaps this may violate Trump's oath of office, mm-hmm. um, that essentially the oath of office says that he has to protect, defend, and defend the United States, um, and certainly disclosing this level of uh, intelligence and yeah. even uh, you know, both our intelligence relationships and also pot- even potentially agents themselves to a hostile power mm-hmm. that is not mm-hmm. necessarily allied with all of our allies um, may be a <laughs> violation of the oath of office and, right. and not protecting the Constitution and the United States. The tricky thing uh, becomes here, I think, that... I mean, um, the president does, of course, have the ability to share intelligence as he deems necessary Correct. for the protection of the United States. And so, again, I mean, like, we're sort of left to that same kind of situation we have with, um, with the, the documents that Mueller's going to no doubt try to subpoena, right? Um, the president has pretty broad discretion in deciding how to do that. Right. And the, here we come back to the problem of electing a guy like Trump, right, who is, I mean, as we, you know, again, hashed out on this podcast a lot last fall, um, is just, you know, not temperamentally well-suited for this office um, and, frankly, lacks the wisdom, right, to to make good choices in that moment, right? So um, it does seem like a moment where he's kind of bragging to the Russians, like, hey, I've got really sweet intelligence. Let me tell you about it, right? And it and doesn't seem like there's any sort of particular national security reason to do that and many not to do that, as you rightly point out. Um, but it becomes very difficult to prove this because then you say, you know, well, if you're a Trump supporter, well, he's just doing what presidents always do and he's just doing a little differently, but he's draining the swamp or whatever. And, um, and if you're, of course, an opponent, you're, you know, hitting the, the roof. I mean, so... I have, I have yeah. a question about the the, um, the whole impeachment process, which is, and I've heard people say it's a political process and not a legal process exactly. Like, like it's, it's do, both. It's I, both. I, I disagree yeah. with that uh, dichotomous characterization. Okay. Well, but my, my question is though, like, you talked about the votes that are needed. Mm-hmm. Are there standards that need to be met in order to justify those votes beyond justifying them to constituents? High crimes and misdemeanors is the the wording, right? So, that, but who gets to determine that? The, the House. The House. That's, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. so, and then the Senate. So the if the House chooses to impeach, like, what is the check on the House making that determination? And uh, I'm, I'm only saying because, like, we are living in a world now yeah. where it's like, well, nobody would actually do that. And people are starting to do that in terms right. of, like, norms mm-hmm. and things mm-hmm. like that. Like, mm-hmm. like what is the... Yeah. What is the check on the House? And then when you get to the, the actual impeachment trial, what is the check on the Senate? Mm-hmm. Let's imagine the House made an yeah. utterly spurious impeachment claim against a president. You, the checks would be the Senate saying that's a completely spurious claim. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the other check would be the American people mm-hmm. who would say, you have made an incredibly spurious claim against the president. We're going to vote you out of office. Right. Uh, so yeah. there's not a direct – okay. so, so and, that, and that may not be satisfactory to you. Go ahead. No, that's actually, but that's actually what I'm saying. So, so – I mean, my question is, what is? And Chris and I were talking about this a little bit before the we started recording. Um, what is the point at which? Because I mean, if we have a Republican House and Republican Senate mm-hmm. in terms of the majorities there, that they would say it's hard for it's kind of hard for us to prove exactly mm-hmm. this or that. But we would actually just rather have Mike Pence here than Trump. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I, and I realize that yeah. that's problematic in lots of ways. But, but I guess my question, and you're, you've answered it, is they don't. There's not actually like a um, sort of standard of beyond a reasonable doubt or something no, like that. No, and I think ironclad. No. I mean, Andy's point: high crimes and misdemeanors suggests that there's guidance into what the house is, how right. the house is supposed to right. apply this, and right. that they. But how they interpret what that yeah. means. I mean, for, sure. uh, for Bill Clinton, the ostensible reasons for um, impeachment were lying under oath and contempt of Congress. Mm-hmm. Are those high crimes and misdemeanors, according to the Repul- according to the democratically or, sorry Republican held House at the time? Yeah, they were. Okay. Yeah, I and mean, so there is a yeah, there's an element of ambiguity there. I mean, the short answer is like you can't remove the president because you don't like him, right? Just because you prefer. Um, the the longer answer, of course, is that you can find ways to frame it. So sure, that you could do that, but there's right? No, but like, there's there's no like appeal process after that, like it, no, 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 yeah. no, no, So that, no. that that's what I mean that there's right. no check. There's no like right. okay. But, it, but I mean, like the other side of this is, so there's no check. But we've Congress has historically exercised this power very oh, sure, carefully. I mean, like certainly. you know, we've impeached a president 
um, in the House a grand total of twice, right? Once was during Reconstruction right. when you had a radical Republican-dominated House and a Democratic president, um, you know, Andrew Johnson, who got in via the vice presidency after Lincoln got shot. Um, and even he got acquitted by the Senate, barely, by one vote. Um, and then, of course, Bill Clinton, as we've already right. talked about. So, you know, and that was after a four-year investigation. And Ken Starr did come up with, I think, some, you know, Things where he had broken the law. I mean, like yeah. the question is whether this rose to the level of wanting to remove the president. Republicans largely said yes, and Democrats almost uniformly said no. Right, um, and so you know, it's it yeah, it came down to a pretty political decision there. But um, yeah, and on the whole, I mean, like we've you know we've had people who wanted to impeach Obama or people who wanted to impeach um, you know Bush, and I, I remember Dennis Kucinich was always on this sort of tirade about how Bush had you know violated his office. But when the Republicans and Democrats gained control during those you know the presidency of their the member of their opposing party. I mean, the leadership never wanted this. Pelosi, sure, you know, right. wasn't going to push this. Boehner wasn't going to push this, right? Um, because, it, you know, you might disagree with some things. You might think there's some some dodgy stuff at the edges, but but nothing that rose to that level. So I think I think in general, I mean, they are their own check, right? I guess is what I'm saying. Um, they, they, they want to be able to go back to the voters and make a compelling case. And, um, you know. and the voters do rule here, and for democracy, that's kind of comforting. The mm-hmm. kinds of presidents who get impeached are the kinds of presidents whose popularity is is, is really low yeah. at the time of impeachment. Andrew Johnson, that was true of. Right. But also, Bill Clinton's poll numbers went up after being impeached, not because mm-hmm. he was impeached, but because they were kind of at a, at a historic low for him. And I think they climbed back up. Mm-hmm. Kind of because the economy was surging, other things, that, and that made his conviction yeah. much more difficult. Um, right, and the Democrats, that's one of the things they said, is he's doing fine as president. So Can I ask a dumb civics card. question? I guess I'll, uh, <laughs> Go um, for it. So we, we're talking about impeachment. Are any of the... And I don't know, like, like what is or isn't criminal, but, like, are there also... <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> oh, boy. No, no, but, I mean, are, are there also, like, like, could a sitting president be be tri- or charged with crimes that would be so you'd have the legal so process Donald, that if I Trump would go actually through. went out to Fifth Avenue and shot someone or or treason <laughs> or something like that like yeah. like right. like that I mean I could because because I theoretically could get tried with for treason in like a court of law correct I don't right know. Yes. Okay. right you could could so I realize so it's harder so for if, the if president you're, if you're gonna commit treason on who are you gonna commit treason. I would have to do some work before I committed treason. <laughs> you don't have a soft spot in your heart for. Uh... Yeah, right. I'm just, right. but I'm, I'm, so I'm, I'm just saying so though, like, like, so are the short, there also like? Right. So the short answer is the president has the power to pardon. Also, they could pardon themselves. So in principle, they could. So that's why impeachment would have to come first. Okay. You would need to remove them from office, and then once they're removed from office, if they have committed crimes, you can then pursue those criminal okay. investigations. Okay. That, which, which, is, sure which is essentially what was going to happen to Nixon. I mean, right. Nixon. Having and of course he wasn't impeached because he resigned, but had after his resignation, yeah, he was going to be impeached. He almost certainly would have been convicted. Um, so had Nick after Nixon had resigned, had Ford not pardoned him, he would have been brought up on charges. Okay. Yeah. yeah, and then Ford did that because he felt like it just we needed to move on as a country. Sure, I mean, we've sure, been sure. wrestling with that for two years. I mean, the Nixon case is the other one we should probably talk about here because it's the most obvious parallel in American minds and. You know, I mean, they, this was a the one case where we probably, we almost certainly would have impeached and removed the president. I mean, the accounts I've read, you know, the House clearly had the votes to impeach. The Democrats had a pretty large majority or, uh, at that point. And the Democrats, you know, they, they would have needed Republican support in the Senate to convict, and they had it. I mean, like the, the account I've read is, you know, Barry Goldwater, who had been the Republicans' presidential candidate prior to Nixon, um, and was sort of a senior Republican in the Senate, um, went to Nixon with a group of senators and basically told him, you know, Mr. President, you have maybe 10 votes in the Senate, right? I mean, like, and I'm not one of them. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, it was that mm-hmm. kind of conversation, and that's why Nixon resigns, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you, see, you know, he he knows, like, this is this jig is up. Um, I, yeah. don't have any, I don't have any more plays to make. And so, you know, he resigned to avoid being impeached, which would have, I think, then removed his uh, a number of perks and so forth. So, yeah. All right, you guys have filibustered long enough now. I'm coming back to make you <laughs> to, to, to make this stick. If and I, I, again, let's hold aside how likely it is for a moment. If the pres, if President Trump is going to leave office before his four-year term is up, under what methodology do you think it's most likely that he does that? I'm going to jump on resignation. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He resigns. Yeah. I, I think resigns because of what? Ooh, that's harder. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> you just asked why. What? Well, it's a it's, um, a it's a rich tapestry of things. Probably. <laughs> lots of things, <laughs> uh, but not boredom. Uh, well, that I actually might be boredom. at the core of some of this laziness not, and boredom. He's not just frustrated that he can't get what he wants. But he, but I could see a resignation for that reason. I, mean, I don't think it's likely. But what's the most likely? But reason but, it, for but it wouldn't be just that because it would be that 
and these other things yeah. swirling. I mean, it, it's right. it, we're already seeing the tapestry that could lead to a resignation. Yeah, I think. Okay. Yeah, I'm not saying we're at the point, but but we no. see the. I mean, everybody's talking saying, about I, enough stuff. There. I think a tapestry of resignation is what your uh, the title for this. There episode. you go. <laughs> yes. I think I think I think one of the things that may be very telling, and we'll be having a different conversation maybe within the next year. It'll be interesting to kind of think about this in another year. And I think what will happen that we haven't seen yet is a major crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, this White mm-hmm. House has faced a lot of crisis of its own making, right. but has not faced a real crisis. Correct. There hasn't been mm-hmm. some major world event or some mm-hmm. major missile attack on South Korea, right? Or some or some major, right. you know, catastrophe. You know, some Katrina here in the United States or something. Right. Let's talk about some potential for catastrophes. Today is <laughs> Iranian Election Day. Oh well, yes. Um, so uh, Rouhani, which is who's a relatively comparative moderate in, Isra- <laughs> Iranian, in Iranian terms, <laughs> um, is up for re-election. Um, Iranian polling is garbage, so I, don't, I have no idea how you well this is going. Me. Um, and they've had. When we're done here, are you going to start your get out the vote efforts, or what are you? Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Because yeah, they right. they really listen to us. Well, the, the Christian Iranian University in Minnesota during the during the Green <laughs> Uprising. So. Um, and let's see what else. Oh, oh we had a French election, um, yep. and we're going to have a British election, too. So all mm-hmm. of these things could generate various – and Brexit could generate a crisis. Yeah. Um, yep. If Russia decides to get frisky in, in, in eastern Ukraine, <laughs> uh, we could have a crisis. If yep. um, uh, if the Philippines decides to murder 15,000 more drug dealers, then that could be a crisis. Yep. Uh, President if the Philippines Trump, starts to get into it with China. <laughs> if, if, if the United States decides well, to fight a war in the South China Sea, it, um, yeah. President Trump is headed to Saudi Arabia and then to Israel. Yeah, I can't imagine why a crisis might occur between the, in transit between those two no, countries. No, 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 no. <laughs> Middle East never has crises, Chris. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you need to get our class, buddy. Um, yeah, I, sorry, Mitch. I, uh, but to your no, point, though, there are plenty of there's plenty of fodder for international yep. crises these yep. days, and or, or or even domestic crises. I mean, oh, yeah. there could be also yeah. we could see another terrorist attack. I mean, you know, the, right. all sorts of. Things. And one of the things I think will be telling as we as we sort of watch this is if the Trump administration is actually able to handle the crisis. Yep. Right. Um, I would say conspicuous by its absence in your list of potential crisis areas was Antarctica. That's true. Well, yeah. what's going on in Antarctica right now? I don't know. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, you if, if you saw the Antarctica headline, essentially, um, large, large uh, amounts of Antarctic ice are beginning to calve off, and essentially, yeah. um, this is a sign that it looks like uh, the ocean, ocean levels may be rising substantially and faster, perhaps faster even than, than, than than people thought. Yeah. yeah, which of course leads to all sorts of problems and. Coastal areas right. and uh, cities that are on the coast and potentially displaces mm-hmm. millions of people who live near the coast. And I think this is a crisis that could really capture Trump's attention because I think a lot of his properties are near the coast. So you might be very it's, concerned. It's, it's slow and boring because like, ocean levels don't jump yeah. three feet overnight. They right. Yeah, but what about Mar-a-Lago? Millimeters I mean, a year. Tr- Trump yeah. Tower? How close is that? I don't know. <laughs> Haven't been there. One oh, of the things, just, just just as a quick aside, like um, any of you who've watched The Expanse will notice that the that they have sort of anticipated this, where the depiction of New York City there has these massive seawalls um, mm. around the city, um, mm. essentially anticipating this this kind yep. of uh, activity yep. over the next couple hundred years. Yeah, it's probably going to have to happen. So. Shall I become Dutch. Um, mm. All oh. right, I'm going to hold you down to it now. Trump, <laughs> if there's a Trump resignation. No. What is the principal cause of the resignation? Of your rich tapestry, Sam, pick, pick one likely culprit. Um, I think it'll be the Russia stuff. Okay. Yeah. Fair. Andy? Yeah, and, and I mean, and building on that, like the, the Russia stuff that's leading to action by Congress toward removal. Um, but I think that that's likely still going to be, I mean... Connected to his inability to govern effectively, and I think the Republicans are getting increasingly frustrated with this, and it's making them open. So when the when the when the things come through about Russia, and I think there's certainly enough evidence that he's done at least some grossly, um, you know, sort of negligent kind of things, some things that are not good ideas for America, right? Even if they're not necessarily all strictly illegal, um, then I think this can make Congress more willing to act. I think they're going to um, start putting pressure on him, and they may. You know, they may send somebody to have the Goldwater right. conversation, right, and to say, uh, "Mr. President, you don't have the votes, and so you you have a choice now, right?" And yep. um, we can do this the hard way or the easy way, right? So, so I think, it, yeah, it probably starts with Russia. I think that's the easiest case, but um, then I think it, you know, it's about Congress pressure. So then I think um, if if he goes resigns, it'll be that kind of scenario. Sure. 
Um, I'm gonna. I, I guess. I guess I'll buck the the trend slightly. Go for it. And that yeah. is that I'm gonna. I'm gonna say even though this the Russian stuff is obviously still developing and it does appear. I agree um, with Andy that it does. It it is probably going to come out that even if you can't directly prove that something super illegal happened, <laughs> something not so great happened. <laughs> right. Um, and I right. think that's gonna be exposed. But I'm not sure it because just because of. Um, I, I think I think a lot of what probably happened is actually going to come out to be more Trump's incompetence mm. than it is direct right. like intent right. to do Could illegal be. things. And if that's the case, I think it's not going to be so much the Russia stuff that finishes his administration. I, I do think it's going to be the crisis. I think when a cri- when a major mm. crisis hits and the Trump administration is utterly unable to to handle it. Uh, in a way that's acceptable, um, that that basically there will be so much pressure on on the administration, and Trump will simply resign. He'll simply decide that he he, he doesn't want to deal with this anymore. Cut his losses in, in the fa- right in the face of mm-hmm. in the face of serious failures. He Here could, would be could the upside happen. the upside of resignation over um, uh, over impeachment <clears throat> is I'm not a fan of like overly trying to be clever headlines and I don't want to see, you know, Congress to Trump, you're fired as a headline. Because that'll happen. Like, that's that's the easiest headline to write. Ex- yeah. Except uh, a president, uh, that they uh, have that conversation. is such a momentous occasion. Yeah. I, I think that they would strive for... No, people are... People no, are no, 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 no. I think <laughs> I'm, with, I'm with Sam on this one. You're, you're overestimating like the maturity yeah. of the American public like, and media. And, yeah, like beautifully yeah. written. I always think know. Trump impeached in big letters would be a... Headline. I think I think that would be the headline for the New York Times. Yeah, I think everywhere else it would be. Yeah, you're yeah, fired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. No, you're. you're uh, like so, the well, Salt well, Lake City Tribune. It's gonna be you're fired. <laughs> Don't we slag on the Salt Lake City Tribune? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let me uh, let me uh, hold you to one more thing here. So, oh, by the way, I, I'll, I'll just agree with Mitch on my on my point. I think that if uh, Trump is going to resign, there's going to have to be indisputable video evidence of like him in cartoon style taking a giant round bag of money with a dollar <laughs> sign on it from a Russian operative. I don't think gross, gross incompetence and I don't think just in continuing allegations are going to be sufficient for him to be removed from office. Um, absent kind of just video evidence of something yeah. like that. Well, I mean, I, I think there's, there's almost no chance he gets impeached, right? Because... Yeah. Well, let's, let's get to that. Or like, or, was, or let me say this again. There's almost no chance he gets impeached and removed, right? Because... If he if it comes to that, it's really hard to see him kind of going all the way to the mat. I mean, like at that point, you you do the Nixon, right, yep. and you resign. Um, so doing the Nixon is also the newest dance, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> okay, oh. real quick here before we get a wrap, guys. Um, percentage chance that impeachment proceedings are started in the House for Donald Trump before his four years are up. Lock your number in, so somebody else's number doesn't change your number. What do you think? Percentage chance that mm. that happens. Wow. I should mention. I'm terrible. <laughs> now, now that you're thinking about this, um, as our chair of our department, uh, Professor Van Geest, sent out to me um, a, an Irish online betting site, paddypower.com. <laughs> I didn't come up with it. Don't don't write me at electionshocktherapy at gmail.com. Um, <laughs> They are the official sponsor of this podcast. They are so. not. They are not. Um, <laughs> uh, they have um, the likelihood of a Trump impeachment at twenty five percent. Yeah, but that's just trying to get money on both sides. That's the yeah. way betting markets exactly. Work. Yeah, and they even said they, they reflect. They think it's a reflection of wishful thinking on the part of Trump's opponents. Yeah. What do you think, Sam? Uh, so, so you said impeachment proceedings initiated or uh, like in. Like, or an actual impeachment. An actual like, impeachment. Because like there's, there's just so, so many different layers. What do you like, mean by initiated? Uh, an impe- uh, a vote to impeach passes the House. Okay, so they impeach. Yeah. Yeah. The House impeaches yeah. Trump. Okay. I'm not worried about the Senate does. Senate's a different yeah, yeah, yeah. So That's a different thing. I mean, so much of this comes down to, to what happens in 2018, right? Exactly. I mean, but you have to get that in. So. 16%. 16%. <laughs> it's unnervingly specific. It is unnervingly specific. It's one in six. But the, the funny part about this is it's impossible to be right because either it happens or it doesn't. Right, right. right so the right. percentages are silly. <laughs> yeah, I right. know. I'm still making you yeah, do it. Exactly. <laughs> now I want to go like 17. <laughs> it's no. not Price is I'm, Right. I know. <laughs> um, higher. I'm going to say, I'm going to go 30. 
Okay. Wow. Whoa. Yeah, I'll go thirty. Wow. Because I, because I think yes, I mean, I'm taking into account that money. <laughs> if if Trump is tanking this badly and if if he, he mishandles a crisis, then let's say there's a crisis the next year and there probably will be of some sort, right? Mm-hmm. And he mishandles it badly, that does increase Democratic chances of taking the House. And if the Democrats yes. take the House, there's a higher chance. So, so your your sense though 30. is that is that he would take it? He would he would not resign before an impeachment vote. You don't think in the House? No. Okay. But because then it goes to the Senate, right? Right. I mean, but I mean, but but just if if they, but presumably before a vote would happen, people would know the numbers, wouldn't they? Usually. Yeah, but then you have to the question of what happens in the Senate, right? I mean, like it's but one thing they to know lose. the numbers in the Senate too. Not necessarily. Isn't that somebody's job I mean, to the know Senate, what people if are. The Senate's at, being a yeah. good jury. No, they shouldn't, right. right? Because the Senate should listen to the House's evidence in 2017. Right. So yeah. Yeah, in, in, in principle, I, I would say I would say you wouldn't quite know what the Senate is going to do. Yeah, uh, I mean there there are people who are supposed to know. They're they're the whips. That's their right. that's their whole job um, is to basically count noses and know where everybody stands. But because there's all the proceedings yeah. and everybody's chance yeah. to kind of present their case, yeah. and which would also be a case before the media, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. you just not quite you can't know how that's going to play out yeah. for everybody in the Senate. Well, but but there is a, yeah. uh, there is a, and I don't know how interested he is in a would be i shouldn't say is would be in a saving face thing but there is something to not having been impeached right in in mm-hmm. i mean it's a crappy legacy to begin <laughs> at that point anyhow <laughs> but like like when you listed the people yeah. who were impeached you didn't list nixon right nixon wasn't impeached he wasn't impeached right so like so there is that right. that sense of like would you if 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 the writing was on the wall is that better to not yeah. have to not be on that short list of presidents who've been impeached. Well, I mean, because here's the thing that's weird about this: the question that Chris has asked us is, um, <laughs> this is a I think if the Democrats, if he tanks in the next year and a half, even more than he has, and loses support and loses the House, right? Which I think requires a pretty major Trump tank for the Republicans to lose the House. But let's say that happens, right? And the Democrats take control of the House, right? Then I think that makes it more likely that he gets impeached, but less likely that he gets removed. Um, because what you're going to get then is a Democrat effort to impeach him if it in fact happens, right? Mm-hmm. And even if they have very good reasons, right, then partisanship kicks in, right? And, and Republicans are like, do we want to cooperate with this? And we're in a hyper-partisan era. So I actually think, you know, the chances of him getting removed by the Senate kind of decline. Okay. Because then I think, I think you sort of rally around yeah. your party guy. If the Republicans, on the other hand, decide there's enough evidence to impeach and remove, right, and they initiate this process, yeah. then it's a different story, right? Because then this is them making a decision of, this has gone too far, and Mike Pence is a pretty decent backup. So let's do this, right? right. Um, that, but I, so I, I guess that's where this sure, gets that makes sense. That's, yeah. This gets tricky. I mean, like, what are we talking about here? You know, so I think impeachment by the House becomes more likely, but then removal less likely. Sure. And so then in that case, yeah, then you write out the impeachment. But then you're you're Clinton, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, um, like, yeah, there's a highly partisan House that's impeaching you, but the Senate's your your backstop. And, and you can stop you it. can sort of in OJ style say, hey, I was acquitted. You know, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. I was acquitted. Was this, is a, this is a partisan. Kinda, yeah, this is sort of a. <laughs> I'm trying to think of like, yeah, people who. Yeah, yeah. This is a partisan witch hunt, which is of course exactly what he's comparing it to, right? The the Russia witch hunt that's dividing us as a country. Right, I think there's other things dividing us as a country, for the record, but <laughs> that's the Trump version, right? So. You've had plenty of time to think about this. We've got 16%. And I have filibuster for you a long time, Mitch. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, I'm gonna. I, I guess I'm gonna take the. The uh, the other view, I, I think it's zero. I don't think he's going to be wow. impeached. Yeah, yeah. I, I really don't. Zero. Um, I think I think I think I think there's a lot of talk. Uh, at least based so on what the we, prices right terms, Mitch is bidding one dollar. Based yeah. based <laughs> based on based on what we have right now. I mean, obviously, if if another shoe drops and something else happens here, but, okay. So, but you're but, but but by saying zero, you're saying you don't think another shoe is going to drop. You don't think another crisis is going to happen. If you, or or not, a crisis is going to happen. I think a crisis saying. is going to happen. I but don't not, think it's would, not that would change the dynamics. Not that's going to make it. Okay. Impeached. Okay. And, and I think the reasons for that are going to be. Um, I think Andy's analysis is actually spot on in terms of if he gets impeached, um, what what are the likelihood of, of of him actually getting removed from office? Um, in terms of whether that's Republican mm-hmm. or Democrat. But I think if you look at sort of the um, if you, if you, if if you look at the Republicans right now, the Republicans have already made their peace with this. They knew this was what they were getting. They knew that Trump was going to be utterly incompetent and unable to govern. And basically, at this point, if they Start to go after him. It's going. They their their fates are somewhat tied to him now, and so I it would I, th- I think it's going to take something just beyond the pale, and I don't think it's going to happen within the next couple of years hmm. um, for 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 Paul Ryan and and Mitch McConnell to to want to actually start leading 
any kind of movement to, to, to really get rid of him. Um, and I think essentially the argument is always going to be, and especially because, because of this too, um, I think a lot of what was revealed by this election is that a lot of Republican voters are more sympathetic to Trump than the Republicans themselves realize. And I think mm-hmm. they're probably scared. I think they're scared. They're going to want to keep that demographic happy. Um, and so that's going to mean, you know, it's going to take something beyond what we've seen mm-hmm. um, to actually get, and probably will mm-hmm. see, to get to get Trump actually impeached. Um, so I don't think it's going to happen. I think it maybe should happen. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not, so this mm-hmm. is, you know, this is sort of the distinction between what should happen and what mm-hmm. will happen. I, I don't think, because to your point, you know, this is a somewhat political process. I don't think the politics will be there to, mm-hmm. to actually to actually get rid of him because Trump does have widespread Republican support, uh, and there's especially a new sort of emerging type of Republicanism that seems you know that traditional Republicans seem to be worried about and not able to control. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I don't see there being enough. You know, again, barring some total catastrophe. That's what, and that's going back to my other point. I think that's why a Trump resignation is actually the much more likely way of getting rid of him. Sure. Um, in yeah. terms of like, if he feels like things are just going incredibly right, badly right. and he can't control it, and you know he cares a lot about his image and you know basically the perception of him and his obviously you know the traditional way to think about this would be his legacy, and I think if it looks like that is just going completely down the tubes for mishandling uh, mm-hmm. a crisis, that might be the way that he is leaves office. And sure. we do need to remember we're four months into a forty-eight month term too, yep. so there's mm-hmm. a lot. To, there's a lot. Four months to go. That's right. <laughs> um, I, you guys haven't given me a chance to respond. Can I throw my number in, too? Yeah, we didn't ask. Okay, go for it. <laughs> you can answer your own question, yes. Uh, I think it's about 5%. And I think it's down there because I mostly agree with Mitch that I think this is incredibly unlikely. And his analysis is right. But there's always that crack in the door. And one of the things we've seen is that this is a chaotic administration. It's not a well-controlled uh, and not a well-managed administration. It's possible we could see... Donald Trump himself, if his poll numbers continue to decline, takes some kind of a Hail Mary approach. Uh, <laughs> on, As uh, opposed to his usual well-balanced attack. Right. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, and something, I, I, the, the kind of crisis that Mitch says is, is unlikely to change things. I think it changes things if that crisis is White House generated. If it's a, if it's a um, some kind of military engagement or some kind of abuse of the law or something like yeah. that. And then that, that 5% chance is there. And that, mm-hmm. if that happens, that suggests that Trump has really overridden the White House establishment and is in, in, in some kind of criminal way. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's likely. I'll bet 95% of the time on something else, but mm-hmm. it's the, the chance is there. Yeah. I'm, I guess I'm more, I don't know, optimistic or pessimistic, depending how you look at it, because I could see this going badly really fast. Like, mm. I, could, I could see a turning point happening. I could see the Republicans turning. And I, I think Mitch is sort of right, but I sort of disagree about the Republicans making peace with him. They have, but it's it's a very shallow piece, right? I mean, they, they are not happy. I think if you if you were to you know be able to put give Mitch McConnell or Paul Ryan a sort of Harry Potter truth serum, right, and get them to tell you the truth about what they think, um, it's it's pretty obvious to me that the truth is they are um, they have no respect for this guy. They think he's kind of an idiot, and um, they would really really like him to be gone. And yeah, given the choice, I mean, the choice between him and Mike Pence is not a hard choice, right? So all that to say. The thing is, to me, is like they have to be convinced they can pull this off, right? Mm-hmm. And and yeah, you're going to take off some voters, but if you do it, your own party. right? With minimal damage to your own party, but you, you're going to take off some voters. But voters also have short attention spans, right? And so, in 2018, 2020, I mean, you tell them again how bad the Democrats are, right? And and that's pretty compelling, right? And then by then, hopefully, Mike Pence has smoothed things over. So I I just think that the chances of them turning on him are a little higher than you're giving credit for because I could see them getting to the point where they they think they can do this. The key for them is they got to be pretty confident they can pull it off. I mean, it's like, you know, it's like trying to, to shoot a polar bear or something like that, right? I mean, like, you, better, you better have an accurate shot or you are dead, right? You are in big trouble because if, if they miss, right, like if they, if they try to take down Donald Trump and they fail, um, he could rip the party apart, right? And that's, mm-hmm. that's the, the concern. Not that he can, like, individually defeat them in elections, but he could, he could sure try. wreak absolutely he could try and he could absolutely wreak havoc on the republican party i mean that would make the the havoc he's wreaked so far uh look minimal right so i think that's the you know that's where they have to be really careful like if they want to try this they better succeed or it's going to be a disaster um so that's 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 sort of my my take on what's going on inside their brains but i could be dead wrong um i don't have a line to brian or mcconnell 
If, if you're curious, gents, our, our average guess of impeachment is about 13%. All right. <laughs> so cool. um, all that talk out there, folks, uh, don't get too hyped about it. Don't get too hyped. We, we really go, don't guys. know. We're, we're the same group that all thought Hillary Clinton was going to win the presidency. That's true. So. That's true what we know. <laughs> Guys, so that didn't work out. For yeah, us. I'm, I'm notoriously bad at guessing these things, so the fact that I put it at zero probably means that it's a sure bet. Yeah, it's gonna that's happen. right. It's, it's, it's going to happen. It'll, it'll happen. They're probably moment. starting even yeah. as we're talking. That's right. yeah. <laughs> yeah, but by putting yourself at zero percent, you're the only one of us who stands a chance of being wrong. Um, that's right. We, the other of us all can claim we're right. That's right. I really should have gone 29 because that was what the um, 538 had as Trump's likelihood of winning the presidency. Wow. So that would have yeah. been the appropriate number. There you go. <laughs> so. Guys, we got to go grade some papers, man. Yeah. All right. On behalf of my colleagues here at Bethel University, you've been listening to Election Shock Therapy. You can always send us a note at electionshocktherapy at gmail.com. Uh, we'll be back possibly during exam week to uh, – if, if Depends any, what happens. Right? Depends what right. happens. If impeachment proceedings are initiated, <laughs> we'll come back um, to heckle Mitch. Right. I, also right. have, I also have a student who um, who's objected to the fact that we are um, – that there's no libertarian voice as part of this conversation. I would like to <laughs> offer a libertarian rebuttal, and I like him enough. I think I'm going to let him do that. So That's I might right. have him on here in, a, in, a, in one of our next episodes. <laughs> uh, we'll we'll – um, we may, we may, uh, if we, well, we may have at least one more podcast before we break for the summer. But after that, we'll be, we may be winding down a little bit for the summer as, as academics go their separate ways. But thanks for listening. Uh, we, there's more stuff to come. Keep listening on behalf of my uh, my colleagues here. You've been, um, have a great day and go Royals. <laughs>